Would you turn with me this evening to the book of Acts, the first chapter? If you've been with us on Friday nights, you know that we've been teaching on the subject of receiving and ministering healing. Receiving and ministering healing. And uh, we've been on it for months now. Went through 20 individual accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Took time, went over details. And now we've been in the book of Acts. And we've gone through four individual accounts of healing in the book of Acts. And uh, this one is the final one in this particular study. And it is in the book of Philippians. You can go ahead and, and find that too. Turn to that too. Well, just just go to Philippians. Just turn loose of your place in Acts and go to Philippians. Because you know what we're going to talk about there. And I'll just remind you. You know, Dr. Luke used to pen the gospel account of Luke and also the book of Acts. He made us aware of that, that in the gospel account, all that Jesus did, said all that he began to do and to teach. And then we saw it continued in the book of Acts. And how many understand we're a part of the same church? We saw healings, lame man at the gate called beautiful healed. We saw Aeneas healed. Uh, we saw the, the crippled man at Lystra healed. And last weekend we saw who? Huh? Yeah. Publish father. Right? Y'all remembered that, didn't you? Got folk looking at me with blank looks like. Yeah, don't you remember? Paul was shipwrecked. Remember that? And we talked about, you know, he, he went and put the sticks on the fire and the, the poisonous snake jumped out and bit him. You remember all that, don't you? And we, and, and what did he do? He didn't let it shake him up. He shook it off. And we said, when things happen, you'll respond one of those ways. You, you'll let it shake you up. You'll respond in fear and doubt. Or you'll shake it off. And you won't be moved. I like something that the Apostle Paul said there in Acts. I think it's, what is it, the 20th chapter or so. He said, none of these things move me. I like that. I've used that any number of times. I know some years ago, a particular day where a lot of things happen, the enemy likes to practice. He used the old pile-up technique on you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Pile-up. Keeps trying to, you know, pile it on. And looking at two or three of these things, you think, well, I, I can I can believe for that. But then it just keeps getting piled up and piled up and piled up and piled up. And do you, he, he wants you to look at it and go, oh, Lord, I can't do with all this. Well, yeah, you can one at a time. Amen. 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 Just put your faith on one thing and deal with that and, and believe God will show you the next thing. And And faith has to do with steps. And if you follow him, he'll lead you out. But this happened, and then that happened, and then a call came, and it was something else, and, and then somebody showed up, and it was another thing, and I mean, it was all day long. And we got to have another 10,000, and we got to have 50,000, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and, and what about this? Somebody called, and so-and-so needs help, and that evening, I, I made it home through the door, and I just, I just set my stuff down and sit down in the middle of the floor. 
And I said, none of these things move me. Now, I was feeling kind of moved. But thank God I don't walk by what I feel. I don't live by what I feel. I said it out loud. None of these things move me. And I could feel strength coming up in me. Anytime you respond in faith and talk faith, God is there to help you. There's somebody who lives inside you that's bigger than all the stuff in the world that you have to deal with. Greater is he that's in you than all the junk and stuff that's in the world. But you got to respond that way. Don't let it shake you up. You shake it off. Say it out loud. None of these things move me. Now say it with me. None of these things move me. Now that, that's what you say when the enemy is trying to pile up stuff on you. Amen? And don't be moved. Don't be moved. Well, we've studied that, how that Publius' father was uh, healed. And now there is a healing, an account of an individual healed in the epistles. Really the only one that I'm aware of where any detail is given in uh, all of the epistles, you know, beginning with Romans. So we're going to study this in Philippians. The second chapter is the account of the healing of a man named Epaphroditus. You want to say that real quick three times? Epaphroditus. <laughs> now, you know, I'm sure that was a common name in those days. It doesn't sound like it to us. Epaphroditus. You say, hi, my name's John. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm Epaphroditus. <laughs> so for convenience sake, we'll call him Epi. You know, we shorten, don't we shorten names? <laughs> turn over and I'll show you something. Uh, turn over just a couple of pages to the end of Colossians. You're, you're close by to the last chapter of Colossians and the next to the last verse. A friend of mine, Brother Buddy Harrison. I don't know any of you know Brother Buddy Harrison, Buddy and Pat Harrison. He's going home to be with the Lord now. But a, a wonderful man, man of God, and a funny fellow too. If he was around him very often. He was reading this scripture one day, and this is how he read it. This verse, Colossians last chapter and the fourth chapter and the seventeenth verse. He said, and say to Archipus, <laughs> take heed to the ministry that you've... <laughs> well... <laughs> Maybe in Arkansas and Missouri, you might pronounce it Archie Puss. I don't know, but that's not how they said it. So Archie Puss, Epaphroditus, Epi, long as we know we're all in agreement on who we're talking about. Philippians 2, are you there? This is the account of the healing of Epaphroditus. We're going to begin reading in the 14th verse of the uh, second chapter of Philippians. I believe all this goes together and, and you'll see a continuity here, a recurring theme, if you will. Let's pray before we read this. 
And let's release faith and believe the Lord that we get something good tonight and our spirits and our faith are fed and healing is ministered. Now, do you understand you don't have to have a prayer for healing to be healed? Did you know that? You don't have to have laying on of hands to be healed. Did you know that? Healing is ministered many different ways. In fact, you know, in, in the psalmist, it said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Many times people in Jesus' ministry were healed, not through prayer, not through a touch, just a spoken word. Be healed. Remember that? And people were. And numerous times people have been healed just through hearing the words of the Lord. How many believe there's life in his words? There's healing power in his word. There's enough power in these words to heal everybody in this room without leaving your chair. Do you believe that? If the Lord leads you to have a healing line, then that's what you should do. That's what we did last week. If he leads you to have a prayer, that's what you should. Prayer of agreement, anointing with oil, you know, any number of different ways. Just using your authority against sickness. I mean, there's many different ways. But you can be healed just through the word alone. His words are life to those that find them. And health are medicine to all their flesh. Let's pray before we read this. Father, we thank you for the privilege of living in this great country. Thank you for our the protection we have and the freedom we have. Thank you for our salvation in Jesus. Thank you for this great place to meet in, and comfort, health, strength, brightness of mind. Thank you that we know you are here. Your spirit is here to teach us, lead us, and guide us. Give us utterance, full and complete, precise, exact. Give everybody ears to hear and eyes that see and a heart to receive and understand. We open ourselves up to your spirit and your word and say, feed us and minister to us, answer our questions, give us direction and solutions and help and strength for now. Let your healing come into us through your words. We'll receive your teaching, your direction, your correction, your help. You're our Lord, our God, our healer, our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 14, are you ready? Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now we're going to read that out loud together three more times. Are you ready? Read it with me together. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Again. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. One more time. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Another translation says without grumbling and uh, fault finding. When is it all right to gripe? Under what circumstances do you have a right to complain? Well, you know, sometimes you have a right to complain. Right? Right? (laughs) That's right. Where's the verse? We have a verse here that tells us that we are to do what? All All things. All things means how many things? 
Would that include everything from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night? Would that include everywhere, home, office, school, everywhere, all the time, everything, do all things without grumblings and disputings that would have to do with arguing and fighting and griping and complaining. Say it out loud. No griping. No complaining. And see, this other one has to do with strife, doesn't it? Disputings, arguing, fussing. How much tolerance do we have for strife? Zero tolerance for strife. No strife. We're pretty easy going around here. Unless you're a strife causer. (laughs) And I'm smiling, but I'm very serious. Whether it's an employee, volunteer, a church member. We take strife very, very seriously because I have instructions from the Lord about it. Years ago, he spoke to my heart. He said this phrase to me. I don't mean heard an audible voice, but inside me. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. If you allow strife, you're allowing the devil to manifest in things that are under your hand. I have a charge. How many understand Adam had a charge in the garden? He shouldn't have allowed the things to go on that went on there. And you, in your family, I mean, have no tolerance for strife. In your business, no tolerance for strife. Uh, people can make a mistake and if they get into it, but they better be repenting while they're talking to me. Did you hear me? It's serious, serious business. And because if people are going to continue to yield to strife, then they're going to try to force an open door for the devil to manifest himself in our stuff. And we can't allow it. Can't have it. So how much griping and complaining and strife can we have? Zero. Zero. How much complaining and griping? How much tolerance do you have for complaining and griping? Zero. Boy, you could meddle with this. You could really, because people do, they, they feel, you know, that they have a right to complain. And usually if someone is told, oh, you know, don't complain, what will most likely be their response? Oh, I, I wasn't complaining. I was just, just what? I, I was just, you know, pointing something. No, you're griping and it's time to repent. Amen. Never is it okay to gripe and complain. Now, the reason I say that is because this going to bear, it's going to come up again in this passage. Look and see. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain, neither labored in vain. How many understand that if you get into strife with people and you gripe and complain, that it damages your witness. Are you going to be shining like a light in the darkness if you are embroiled in strife and arguing and fussing and fighting with people at school and, and on the job? And if you're always griping about this and griping about this at the workplace and griping about what you get paid or what you don't get paid or griping about your equipment and griping about your hours and griping about this, is that not how unsaved people act? 
Some unsaved people act better than that. Did you hear me? It's ungodly to complain. Ungodly. And it certainly is not faith. You can't be in faith about something and be griping about it. I said you can't be in faith about something and be griping about it, complaining about it. I'll say that one more time. (laughs) If you're complaining about a thing, you are not in faith about that thing. Can't be. Well, what if you're complaining about your, your sickness? Hmm? What if you're complaining about your sickness? Complaining about your problems? Complaining about your symptoms and your, your, your weaknesses and, and your, your pain? Oh, I'm so tired of this problem. I just feel so bad. Maybe you do. Maybe you legitimately do feel bad. But if you're griping about it, are you in faith? If you're complaining about it, are you in faith? No, you're not. What if you're all the time griping about your bills? I'm so tired of being behind. I'm so tired I don't make enough. Stuff just keeps getting higher and higher. I just keep getting further and further behind. Seems like I take one step forward, get knocked back three. Then that's how you will stay. Did you hear me? You're not in faith for prosperity talking like that. Well, that husband of mine, you don't have to live with him. I mean, he never does this and he never does that. He said, well, that wife of mine, you ought to have to live with her. She never does this and she never does that. You are not in faith about your spouse changing and improving. You're not. Yeah, but I prayed and cried half the night. It was probably mostly in vain. Because it's not enough to cry and beg. You got to get in faith. Amen. Amen. And if you're in faith, you're not griping about your wild kids that are going to the devil. About your crazy son or grandson or daughter that's not living right. I don't know what's wrong with them. Oh, we've prayed and prayed and prayed, and they just act crazy. I don't know what's wrong with them. They just ain't got any sense. Do you know that you can pray a wonderful prayer according to the word, pleasing to God, and then get up and two hours later completely undo it with your mouth? You can undo your prayers with complaining talk, complaining mouth. If you're griping about thing, if you're complaining about a thing, you are not in faith about that thing. If you're in faith, you're going to be talking good about it. You're going to, even if, if it's not that way, you'll be calling those things that be not as though they were. You'll be thanking God for hearing you, thanking God for it changing. I don't care if your spouse just acted like a heathen for three days in a row. (laughs) You'll say, she's a good woman. I'm telling you, God's blessed me. She's a good woman. (laughs) Don't say, well, she never shuts up. (laughs) No, that's the wrong thing. You say, she's a woman of discretion. 
She's a good woman. Gracious. Knows when to talk, when not to talk. Knows how to handle herself. <laughs> and somebody laughs and says, you're talking about somebody else. That's not faith. That's not faith. And you're, you're in God's way. You are in God's way. Your words are stout against him to work and help them. My man's a good man. Ladies, he makes good decisions. He leads the family well. I don't care if he took you and the kids into the ditch the last 12 times. (laughs) Speak words of faith over him. Amen? Speak words of faith over him. Speak words of faith over her. Speak words of faith over your children. Well, they were on a drunk for three days. I don't know what they're taking now. They act so crazy. That does no good. This is how you talk. I prayed for that boy. God's on his case. He's going to come to God. He's going to serve God. Amen. The devil is bound. Can't take his life. God's favor and protection is over him. I surround him with love and faith. He will serve the Lord. She will serve the Lord. They will do what they're made to do. Now you got to say that when they're laying in the floor throwing up on themselves. Did you hear me? See, anybody can look at the problem and go, I I can't take this anymore. I've had it up to here with it. I've done everything I know to do and it's just hopeless. Unsaved people can do that. People who don't even believe in God do, do that. Be strong. Be a pillar. Be able to look through all the junk. And yo, you got feelings, you got emotions, but be able to look through all of it and go, no, this doesn't move me. In fact, none of these things move me. I've talked to God about this. He heard me. He and I have already discussed this. And you're serving God. Amen. They're going to serve God. Now, you you can't make them. God's not going to make them. But your faith will lead them to the point of enlightenment and decision. So that they see it clear and they know what they're supposed to do. And even if they say, no, no, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. And, and they run away. You say, uh, no, no. God's on their case. I'm believing they're going to serve God. He will bring them back to that place again. Amen. He'll show them clearly, give them the opportunity. And if they say no and run away, as long as there's breath, there's hope. You just stay on it. And God will bring them back. If it takes a thousand times, he'll bring them back. Until they say yes. But he must have faith out of you and I to give him legal right to do these things. Said out loud, all things without murmuring. Are disputing. No griping, no complaining, no arguing, strife. That lets the enemy in. He said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, verse 17, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. You know, you ought to read through Philippians sometime and circle every time you see the word joy. Or rejoice. It'll take you a red pen. And, and if you, you know, you ought to be able to mark in your Bible. Man, mine is marked good. Gracious, I mean, I've been marking everywhere. I got marks everywhere. 
When the Lord says something, you ought to write it down, write you a note in there and circle and write your definitions in and all that kind of thing. Uh, you ought to have a Bible that you're using, a working Bible. If you keep marking that one you got, we'll put it on the coffee table and dust it once in a while and buy you another one <laughs> that you can write in, right? And uh, you'll see that it's just red circles everywhere. Joy, joy, rejoice, glad, rejoice, joy, joy. And you almost forget that the man is sitting in a jail cell writing this. Looking perhaps at his execution coming up right away. Eating jail food. Cold, damp jail cell. Restricted. Perhaps maltreated. And he keeps talking about rejoicing. Oh, friend. That's the spirit of faith. Even if his body was incarcerated on the outside, his spirit was free on the inside. Hallelujah. And even though everything around him could make him feel gloomy and down, the joy in him overcame that. And he had joy in jail. Everybody say joy in jail. If he could have joy in jail, you could have joy at your house. Right? You could have joy at your job. Can't you? Because well, I ain't got nothing to be happy about. You're confused. You are confused. You've been listening to the wrong voices. You've got a lot to be thankful for. You've got a lot to be glad about. Just got to think about the right things. Talk about the right things. Keep reading. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly to you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. That he might be of good comfort when? When he knew what condition they're in. He's interested in them, isn't he? He's not telling them about his state. Notice you'd never read a letter from Paul. Come on now guys, y'all got to pray. I'm hurting in here. This is awful. Y'all not praying enough for me. Y'all not doing enough. Y'all ought to be out taking up some money to get me out of here. See if we can bribe somebody or something. It's y'all just don't know what I'm going through in here. Do you ever hear any of that in the letters of Paul? No, and you won't either. Because he's a man of faith, and faith people don't talk like that. I said faith people don't talk like that. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Why do I need to know? Now, hold on to your chair tonight, because I'm going to take you some places. And if you didn't like that statement, then you you certainly need to pay attention. Well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Why do I need to know? Why should I know? Why should somebody else know? Now, keep that in mind. Let's keep reading. He said that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own. Not to things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, Timothy, that as a son with the father, he served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you 
Epaphroditus. Epi. My brother. Brother Epi. And companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Now let's identify who Brother Epi is for just a minute here. Paul said he is a brother of mine, so we know he's saved. And he's a companion in labor and a fellow soldier. The implication here is that he's, he's in the ministry. And that he, one word here, another translation uses the word comrade. Comrade in arms and comrade in work. He calls this man a, a fellow worker with him. And he said, he's your messenger. Now the word messenger is from the same word like apostle. It means sent one. Somebody who sent. Another way of saying that is, you're sent one. The one you sent and he that what? Ministered to my wants. So he was sent from this church of Philippi, I suppose, to Rome, where the apostle Paul was, was in jail. And he was sent to minister to the apostle Paul. And if you turn over to the fourth chapter, you see another phrase that gives further clarification. He said, verse uh, 14, You have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. He's referring to lack. Lack is called affliction. You Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. That's both a good thing for them and a bad thing for all the other churches. Where were the other churches that God used Paul to start? Why weren't they supporting this man of God? Where were they at? Another real thought here. When God deals with you to do something, do it. You may be the only one who obeys. I've seen it. That's one reason God keeps using some of the same people over and over again. Because other folk are not obeying and he knows they will. And sometimes, you know, a person that gets used again and again, sometimes on the thing, they were the fourth one he dealt with. Or the twelfth one he dealt with. People don't have to obey God. When God deals with people to do things, they don't have to obey. But God is faithful to people believing him. If this person doesn't obey You can count on God. He'll find somebody who will. Amen. Amen. I know Phyllis and I in Bible school years ago. We're believing for every loaf of bread. Every half tank of gas. You normally didn't fill up, you know. I mean every pair of socks. And uh, we were learning how to use our faith. And Phyllis and I prayed the prayer of agreement on a particular thing. And we stood and the time come for it to, uh, to be there and it wasn't there. And a day passed and it wasn't there. And a day passed it wasn't there. She asked me after coming from school one day. She said, what do you think's going on on this? You know, we're, we're believing. I said, I know it. I said, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. But I know this. God uses people. Money. He doesn't rain money out of the sky, you know. He's not a counterfeiter. He's not, you know, what currency would he make? 
There's a bunch of different kinds. He's not making dollar bills or Deutschmarks or yen or pesos. All the money is down here in the earth. Well, for God to get it to you, what's going to happen? He's going to deal with people who have it in their control. Right? And I said, uh, I know this. God deals with people and it comes through people. Now, another scripture that bears that out is, you know, uh, Luke 6. What did it say? Give. It shall be given to you. Who's going to give it to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men, people, give into your bosom. So it's going to come through people. Isn't it? Going to come through people. And uh, I said, I know this. It comes through people and God deals with people. And I know this. People don't always obey God. Sometimes they're slow about obeying. And sometimes they don't obey. At all. Sometimes they never obey. I said, but I know this. God is faithful. And if he has to, he'll use, if he has to go through a hundred people, he'll find somebody that will. And I, I mentioned a fellow who was an international leader in the things of God. If I called his name, you'd know. I didn't know him at the time. Since then, I've come to, became acquainted with him. But I said, even if he has to, has to speak to him or somebody like him that we believe can hear from God, he'll do it. I said, you believe he could hear from God? She said, yeah. I said, I do too. Even if he has to deal with somebody like that, if he has to go through a hundred people, the Lord's my witness. The next week, that man sought me out. That man found me and walked and put cash in my hand. Well, after I picked my jaw up and thanked him, he didn't know what I was believing for. We didn't know each other personally. And when he walked out the door, the Lord said to me, what you said about me is true. I'll use whoever I have to. Amen. Amen. That was a kind of an extraordinary thing, a confirmation to us. But the thing is, people don't always obey. Sometimes they're slow about obeying. Sometimes they don't at all. But that doesn't mean you're going to have to go without. That just means he'll deal with somebody else. And they'll get the blessing that the other person should have got. These people, he, he, Paul is saying, you know, in the beginning, uh, when I first started preaching the gospel to you, and, and he said, no other church was involved with me in giving and receiving, was involved in supporting him in the ministry, except for this church at Philippi. Thank God for them. Amen. But like I said, when God deals with you, obey him. I don't care whether it's giving a fellow church member $5 or buying them a meal or whether it's sending money to a missionary or preacher or giving in the church or whatever it is. Giving your neighbor across the fence some money or doing so. Whatever it is, do it. You may be the only one who obeys. They were the only one. And look what it says. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. For I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epi. 
Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, from the church of Philippi, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. What's he talking about? That that is a sweet smell to God, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing. What is he talking about? Money. A gift. Natural material support. I don't know if it was just money and stuff or clothes or food. I don't know what all it was, but it was stuff, material stuff and probably money from the church sent to support their man of God, the man God used to found that church, the apostle he sent to them. How many believe you ought to support your elders or take care of your fathers in the faith? And he said, verse 19, what's going to happen now? Because you've done that, because you've been there for me, you supported us repeatedly when other people didn't have time for us, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I think sometimes people quote that verse and forget who he's talking to. He's not talking to stingy people that don't listen to God. He's talking to faithful people that did what he, what the Lord told him to do in supporting that work. But Epi, brother Epi was the man that got the offering to him from Philippi, cross who knows what all, sailing, I don't know what all it took, but he got it to brother Paul. And Paul's writing them back saying, hey, I got it. I got the offering. We're all caught up here financially. I'm full. I'm blessed. Brother Epic got it to me. Amen. How many believe that's important? That's significant. But now remember, we're studying a healing. A healing. Now back up and see why I told you all this. Philippians 2. He said, verse 25, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Now that means he is sending Epi back home with this letter. Brother Epi's out there in, in, at Rome. He's sending him back to Philippi. He said, my brother, my companion in labor, my fellow soldier, but your messenger, your sent one, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick. Now let's just stop right there. Here's a minister. Here's a man of God. Sick. But before we go, uh, the passage even tells us why he was sick. We're going to get into it here in just a bit. Don't read ahead. Stay with me. Don't miss this part. Why was Epi full of heaviness? Because he was sick. Huh? Huh? Come on, read. Why was Brother Epi full of heaviness? Because they had heard that he had been sick. Now that is different. Than a lot of other folk. 
What was the biggest thing bothering him? That he was sick? (laughs) That they heard that he was sick and they were upset and concerned about him. That bothered him that they were concerned about him. Here's a man of God. Here's a man of faith. Here's a man of love. Here's also a man who got healed. Faith works by love. Faith can be undermined by selfishness. Now I had the privilege of working in a healing school for, oh, every day, daily for, what was it, 13 something years. And in healing ministry longer than that. But something that I began to see patterns of after a while as the years went by, this is every day, day and night, day and night. I began to see that numerous people used sickness for some type of advantage in their life. And I saw that as long as you use it, it's going to stay with you. You're not going to get rid of it. It starts young. Two-year-olds, three-year-olds, Six-year-olds find out that the cold can actually be a friend. Don't have to go to school. Especially on test day. A cold or the flu can be a friend. You get special attention. And grandma's special chicken soup. You get to stay home, watch your favorite video, and constantly be pampered, pillow fluffed, (laughs) baby how you doing, extra hugs and kisses, want some more chicken soup, how about some ice cream, (laughs) and you get to figure, hey, this ain't so bad. I mean, a little bit discomfort, but you know, the benefits outweigh the the negatives. That's a big problem. I said, that's a big problem. It can start a lifestyle. Did you hear me? You got adults, 35, 45, 55. Something come up they want to do. It's a nice day and the fish are biting. Call in sick. That means sickness is your friend. Sickness is your pal. Sickness is your companion. Which means you will not be free from sickness. If you use it, you won't lose it. People use sickness as a way to get money. As a way to be supported and not have to work. Did you hear me? People use sickness as an excuse. To not have to take care of certain responsibilities. Well I don't have to do it. I'm sick. To get out of things. I'm I'm sorry I'm sick. I would but I'm sick. I'd like to do it but I'm sick. Well lying. 
and buddying up with something that's a work of the enemy. My arthritis. I would, I would, I'd come help y'all at the church today, but my old arthritis is just acting up so bad. Well, that's your, arthritis is your pal. One day you curse him, but the next day you use him. You tell him to go away, but then you invite him back in that afternoon. Because he helps you get out of some stuff. People use sickness and disease on their spouses. For control and manipulation. They knew if they were feeling good and healthy that they wouldn't get by with certain stuff. But being sick is an excuse to be short and to snap and to be selfish and to be demanding. And, and you, you can just act like a heathen and just go... Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I'm just not feeling good. And they go, I know it, baby. Feeling bad is no excuse for being mean. Did you hear me? Now, I worked personally with sick people day in, day out for year after year after year. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen people. Who were in terrible pain. People who had, you know, from the natural. If anybody would have an excuse to strike out and be mean and ornery, they would. But they didn't. I've seen people with tears rolling down their cheeks from such intense pain. I've seen some of their, their loved one come in and I've seen them brace themselves up in the bed and wipe those tears off and put a smile on their face and ask them how they're doing. That's godly. That's love. People of faith and people of love don't want you burdened with my problems. Carnal, selfish people do. They want you to know. They want you to know exactly how bad I feel. And exactly, and they'll tell you 12 times a day, you just don't understand. You don't understand. You're not. Well, why do they need to understand? Why do they need to? Why do they need to know? So they can agree with you how terrible it is. That won't help you or them. So they can agree with you how hopeless it is. That's not going to help you or them. Are you listening, friends? We're talking about how to be healed. Here's a man. The very next phrase tells you how sick he was. How sick was he? Huh? Nigh unto death. I mean, he was deadly ill. He was at death's door. He was in a bad way. And what's one of the biggest things on his mind? The people back home are concerned about me. And he didn't like that. (laughs) Oh, friends, I sense it in my spirit. The people that are here and some people that are not here that I hope get the tape. Just make this one adjustment. Would immediately begin to come out of the sickness. Just make this one adjustment. Just make the the decision. 
This is it. I am through using sickness as a tool. No longer will I make excuses for myself because of being sick. No longer will I make excuses for my behavior because of being sick. No longer will I justify my being mean and ill-tempered and self-centered because I'm sick. Because one is not dependent on the other and one is not necessitated by the other. People will try to tell you otherwise, but I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen some awful stuff sickness-wise. I've seen people at death's door, should have been dead two weeks ago. Sweet. And somebody that's barely got anything wrong with them, mean as the devil. It's the person, not the problem. The sickness does not force you to be selfish. It does not force you to be ill-tempered, bitter, demanding. And if you use sickness to manipulate people, to get out of stuff, for money, any number of things, then it will stay with you and get worse. You got to make up your mind. Sickness is not my friend. I have no place for it in my life. I will not use it for any reason. I will not make excuses for it for any reason. I resist it. All day long and all night long, it has to leave me. It has to have no place in my life. And if you resist it, what the Bible say? Is it of the enemy? Then you resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've seen it. I've seen it again and again and again. Don't use it to solicit attention from somebody who you think will not pay you any attention unless you had the problem. Don't do it. Don't do it for financial concerns. Well, if, I, if I'm not sick, if I'm not disabled anymore, then I won't get this money. I want... God's your source. I said, God's your source. Is he your source? Yes. You got to make up your mind. How are you going to live? If you use it, you're not going to get rid of it. Brother Epi didn't use it. He'd rather they hadn't known what he was going through. He'd rather they hadn't have been troubled by it. You know, but there's been times in my life, especially years past, I I've, didn't come up so much anymore, I've learned, but especially in times past, something maybe distressing to me or a problem to me would come up and I start to tell somebody and the Lord would check me. Don't tell them. They got enough to deal with. It'd just be a burden. They don't have faith to deal with it, so it'd just be a burden to them. And they're just going to talk unbelief, so they're better off not even knowing. Unless somebody's going to join with you in faith... They're better off not knowing. You can tell them when it's over with. Tell them the testimony. <laughs> you can tell them and, and tell them the problem. They go, oh no, you go, but yesterday <laughs> we overcame. We got to victory. Just tell them when it's time to shout. People of love, people of faith, people who care about the other person don't want them burdened. With my stuff, my problems. Did you hear me? So you see why I asked the question when you say, well, you don't, you don't know what I'm going through. 
Why do you want me to know? Why is it so important for you that I know how terrible it is? People want you to agree with them. They want you to be depressed with them. They want you to despair with them. It'll make people mad when you don't agree with the terribleness of their situation. I've had people just get mad at me. They told me how bad their situation was. And I said, yeah, but praise God. You know the Bible said, by his stripes we're healed. They looked at me like, you don't understand what I'm going through. (laughs) Do I have to? Is that going to help you? Is it going to relieve it? Now you better find somebody who don't want to talk about the problem. Somebody who wants to talk about the answer. Somebody who wants to talk about living and not dying. Being healed. Being free. Amen. Somebody who's more impressed with our rights in Christ than the problem. Somebody has who, who has more faith in God to heal you than the devil to keep you sick. You ought to get some faith buddies. Instead of going and telling them, you don't know what I'm going through, you ought to go and say, tell me how healed I am. <laughs> tell me again <laughs> what Jesus did for me. Tell me how I'm coming out of this. Tell me how we're going to be okay and better than that. Tell me again. A good friend will smile and go, that's right. This pain is nothing before God. Cancer is nothing in front of God. That's right. Tumors have to dissolve before the power of God. We can live and we are going to live and not die and run our whole race. Finish our whole course. Amen. Then when we're full of years. Aged and rich and satisfied. Then we'll go home. Amen. Find somebody that will talk faith with you. Don't try to impress them with your problem. Be impressed with your God. Are we having fun yet? Brother Epi, it bothered him. Because they heard that he had been sick. Verse 27. Said indeed he was sick, near unto death, but God had mercy on him. Oh, hallelujah, I like that so much, I like that so much. If you haven't been with us, let me remind you. We've heard this phrase before, haven't we? We've heard where people came and cried out and said, have mercy on us, son of David. Remember that? We've heard that. Let me let me remind you a few of these. Uh, the leper in Mark one said Jesus was moved with compassion toward him and healed him. The two blind men they came and cried out. They said, "Son of David, have mercy on us." And what happened to them? They left healed. They asked for mercy. What did they get? Healing. Healing. The Syrophoenician. Remember, she came and cried out for her daughter. She said, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Her daughter was delivered and healed. The lunatic boy, you know. His father said, have compassion on us and help us. What happened to him? Got delivered and healed. The ten lepers, remember they stood afar off and cried, Lord, have mercy on us. What happened to them? All ten. Healed and made. One of them came back and gave thanks to God. Gave his testimony. 
blind Bartimaeus, Lord have mercy on me. I mean a full one half of all these accounts we looked at, something about mercy was referred to. When people say, well, healing's not for everybody. You just got through saying mercy's not for everybody. Because healing is a mercy. Now get this, get this. You don't need mercy when you've done everything right. You need mercy when you've missed it. You need mercy when you messed up. If you've done everything right, you can get by on justice. But when you've blown it, when you've messed up, and if you get what you've sown, it's not going to be good. (laughs) Then you don't want justice. You want mercy. Mercy. Now, why would, why would this phrase be in here? It said, God, he, he was sick, near unto death, but God had mercy on Brother Epi. And not on him, but what? Also on us. Why? So that we wouldn't have sorrow upon sorrow. What does that mean? So that on top of everything else Paul was going through, he'd have to deal with losing Brother Epi. How many understand when God heals your friends, He blesses you. When He heals your loved ones, He didn't just have mercy on them, He had mercy on you too. Right? That's what Paul would say. Paul's thanking God personally. He said, you know, He had mercy on me too. Because I didn't want to lose Brother Epi. (laughs) Well, I reckon not. A man who braved stuff and brought you a big offering, brought you some warm clothes and Something decent to eat in jail. But therein lies the reason why he required mercy. Keep reading. God had mercy on him. Does God still have mercy on people? The psalmist said God is rich. What is the 86th Psalm? God is rich in mercy to all that call upon him. Would that include healing? Is healing a mercy? The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We've given you nine or ten different individual cases in the gospel accounts. This is another one. I mean, there's easy a dozen right here of mercy and healing interconnected. Does God still will to have mercy on sick people today? No matter why they are sick. No matter how or why they got that way, is God a merciful God? merciful to heal even if you've blown it terribly even if you're sick because of your own sin will God have mercy on you oh yes he will he's a merciful healing forgiving delivering Jesus how many can testify that you've caused yourself some problems in times but messed your own self up but he had mercy on you bailed you out if you'd listened to him, you wouldn't have got sick in the first place. But he healed you anyway. If you'd listened to him, you wouldn't have been in that financial strait to start with. But he, he bailed you out anyway. Sent you the money anyway. He's a merciful. Say it out loud. He's merciful. He's merciful to all that call on him. He's merciful to me. He's merciful to forgive. And he's merciful to heal. To heal. To these people that say healing's not for everybody, they don't realize what they're saying. They just got through saying mercy is not for everybody. 
Because healing is a mercy. Now keep reading. You'll see why Epi needed some mercy. God had mercy on him. Verse 27. Not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again, you may what? Rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. You see, Paul also was concerned that the church... See, this would be like somebody from Faith Life Church going overseas to minister to a missionary. And then we all hear that brother whoever is nearly dead. Well, that would bother us, right? Now, since we're full of faith, we wouldn't despair. We'd get in faith with our brother. That's a little weak. Because <laughs> you looked at me originally like, oh yeah, we wouldn't like that. Well, you can't stay there. You've got to overcome that. Yeah, yeah our, our missionary is nearly dead over there. Well, that ain't going to help you. And, and usually one of the biggest things people are concerned about is what's wrong with him? What is it? How about, well, once you know, that's not going to make him any more healed. You see, people focus on the wrong thing, don't they? Yeah. Well, what is it? What? How bad is it? What is it? Well, whatever it is, God can heal it. Yeah. And that's the main thing that needs to happen. Amen. The most critical thing is not that all of us here back home are crystal clear on the Latin names for his condition. <laughs> our case histories are percentage of recovery. The main thing... We're not medically trained anyway. We wouldn't know. The main thing is that we believe God with our brother and say, he's coming home. Speak across the ocean and say, be healed, my brother. And expect. Pray and ask God to raise him up and expect. That's what will help him. Well, God did raise up Brother Epi. He was sick. He was nearly dead. He was at death's door. Fine man of God. Faithful man of God. But sick. But God healed him. Now he's starting this long trip to go back to his home church with a letter from Brother Paul. But listen, Paul says, when you see him, you can what? Rejoice. Rejoice. And then I'll be less sorrowful. I'll know that y'all are happy and praising God and I'll be happy too. Remember, in his cold jail cell. Happy. Next time you read some of these epistles, remember You know, if other people would have been writing them, there would have been something about the terrible situation he was in. It's not in here. Every other phrase is rejoice. That's what I do. Be glad. God's good. We're doing the work. We're running a race. Stay hooked. Serve God. Rejoice. (laughs) With a plate full of slop in front of him. Thank God as a Christian, you can have victory anywhere, in any situation, any circumstances, you can have victory. You can have joy. He said, y'all rejoice, and I'll be the less sorrowful about it. I know you're happy. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with what? All gladness and hold such in reputation. Another translation says, hold such in honor. Respect him. Give him a hearty Christian welcome, one translation says, and honor men like him. Because, are you reading? 
Why? Because for the work of Christ, he was near unto death. Now we're seeing why he was sick. Keep reading. What? Not regarding his life. Why did he do that? To supply your lack of service. In other words, your, your inability to do this for me. They sent him to do this. You couldn't do it by distance and time, but you sent him. He could do it. Your service toward me, and really it's a, it's a chapter break, but it, this wasn't written chapter and verse. What's the very next thing he says? Finally, Finally brethren, rejoice. be glad. <laughs> rejoice. Why did Brother Epi get so sick? It was in fulfilling his mission. He was sent to locate Paul and bring him a good offering. And I don't know what all they sent. Maybe, you know, Aunt uh, Minnie in the church baked some of her his favorite muffins. I don't know. But they had a care package and some money and some stuff for Brother Paul. And he meant that he was going to get it to him. How many understand that these things can be spiritual? Yes. So, well, what does that matter? You know, a little money in a care package. Friend, when you're sitting in a jail cell 24-7, it can be a lot more than the stuff. Amen. Somebody loves you. Yeah. Somebody cares about you. Yeah. And, and this man knew. That this was significant. And he obviously ran into some problems. Travel in those days wasn't like it is today. So much of it was by foot. And if you sailed. There was no weather reporting. You might be in a typhoon. A hurricane. Whatever it was. What did it, what did it say? About his life. Not regarding One translation says he recklessly exposed himself. Maybe he was too long in the cold. Maybe he pushed himself too hard for too long. Maybe he was attacked by robbers and fought them off instead of giving up Paul's offering. I don't know. We're not giving the details, but we do know that he meant he was going to get this to Paul if he died trying. And he got it there. But by the time he got it to him, he was nearly dead. Paul said, honor people like this. Hold them in high reputation. Because it wasn't just to do something for Paul. It was for what? For what? The work of Christ. The work of the anointed one. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me read uh, a couple of things to you from this. uh, This scholar says it like this. He said, uh, the sickness of Epaphroditus was probably brought on by the risks and exposures of his journey from Philippi to Rome. It was no easy task for a Christian, one of a sect spoken against everywhere, hated and oppressed, having no protection from either Jewish or Roman rule to undertake such a mission, carrying aid to a man in prison who was bitterly hated by many and over whose approaching execution they were gloating. 
But Epaphroditus braved all the privations and sufferings of the perilous enterprise and would not hesitate to acknowledge publicly before the world that the prisoner he sought to help was his friend. Maybe some people caught him who didn't like Paul. Maybe they beat the pudding out of him. (laughs) It's entirely probable. Maybe if he had just said, I don't know who you're talking about, he could have walked away. But he said, no, I'm one of his converts. He's my father in the faith. And whatever it cost him, he pushed through. Now, there's a couple of things here. One, this was an honorable thing. But secondly, I don't care who you are, preacher, man of God, man or woman of faith, you're still human. Right? I don't care if you're on a mission from God. You can push yourself too far. You can break rules of of, of nature, laws of nature. You can break yourself down in so-called serving the Lord, even doing a good thing. I know uh, I, I had some problems myself before I learned that. I first started in the ministry, young, not too smart, zealous. I mean, I thought, buddy, tomorrow may not be here, so burn her up today. I mean, there were days I spoke 25 times in uh, days, weeks, I spoke 25 times in a week. I'd speak 20 times in town. And like that wasn't enough, hang a jet and go to the West Coast. Speak out there three times and hang the red eye and be back in time for Sunday morning. Start it all over again. Going, going, pushing yourself. And, and there were times when I, I'd get some extra rest and get some and eat plenty of good food and, and I'm still tired. And I realized after some weeks, I, I'm not tired outside, I'm tired inside. And you can push and push and push. Well, I'm just going to believe God. He'll sustain me. And you can break yourself down. You can weaken your immune system. Lower your resistance to problems. We are still mortal, friend. We still must have rest. We still must take care of ourselves. You recklessly expose yourself to the elements. Recklessly expose yourself Things that can cause problems to your body, you can get sick. Like this man of God, minister. And if it hadn't been for the what? Mercy. See, you don't need mercy when you've done everything right. Right? right. Hadn't been for the mercy of God, he'd have died. God had mercy on him though. And healed him. Anybody in here besides me did some dumb stuff and caused yourself problems physically? Pushed yourself too far. Did something dumb. Overridden in your heart. It could be something as simple as put on a coat. I don't need one. Hot. Sweaty. Run out. I'll just run outside barefooted, you know, and do this. There's some simple things the Lord. I, I, for, for months I had trouble with my voice. This is years ago. Finally, the Lord dealt with me, quit sleeping under that fan with no T-shirt. I thought, well, yeah, but I like sleeping under the fan with no T-shirt. 
So I had problems for another month. <laughs> now, if that don't bother you, fine. How many, understand, everybody's got to work out their own salvation on all this stuff. I mean, some, some things that don't bother you might bother somebody else. Sometimes there needs to be a change in your nutrition. I had one of the most extraordinary experiences. This must have been, oh, 15 years ago. I was in some of the thick of some of this I'm talking about, just pushing myself relentlessly. I've smartened up a little bit since then. But uh, in one morning I was I was awaking and and I was I was aware that I was I don't know if you understand what I, I know you do understand you're not quite asleep you're not quite awake you're you're just beginning to to wake up you're aware that you're waking up and uh, I had this extraordinary experience it, it was a vision. It wasn't an open vision, but it was a vision. I saw it in myself. It was like I was in a doctor's office. Very, very real. Sitting on the side of the examination table. And somebody in a white jacket had their little roll, roll of chair, you know, rolling stool. And they rolled up beside me and began to talk to me. And I knew by the awesome presence it was either the Lord or it was the angel of the Lord. And this is what he said to me. He said, Keith, you are deficient in certain electrolytes and amino acids. And he said something else, and that was it. And I woke up, and it was just as real as if I'd been sitting here looking at you. And I thought, wow, electrolytes. Now, I didn't know what an electrolyte was. I thought maybe that's something in a car battery. Huh? <laughs> electrolyte. You're deficient in certain electrolytes and amino acids. I thought, hmm. And like a dummy, just got up and hit it again. Got dressed and went and preached and preached and traveled and preached and traveled. And about the third day after that, something inside me wasn't right. I felt something was wrong in my body. Duh. Some people are slower than others. And... I mean, God's moved in this spectacular way, and I still go three days and don't even check on him. Now, don't laugh too hard. You know what I'm talking about. So, man, I, did, I could say something's not right in me. And so I, I began to, uh, I had, I had a, a friend of mine whose son was in medical school at the time, and I knew they were studying these very things. I said, give them a call. Ask them about this. And so they said, they said oh, yeah, boy, I mean, you're deficient in certain ways, and some of this can cause you major, you you can have major problems. And and, and so what, what would uh, supplement me? And so I finally found some things that would supplement me in that area, and I began to, to take some supplements. And I mean, just like that, just like that, I started feeling better, and I was okay. Everybody say mortal. mortal. We're mortal. There are natural things that you have to observe. You push yourself too far. You break natural laws. Recklessly expose yourself. Endanger yourself in certain ways. You can get sick. Even though you're a man or woman of God. Even though you love God. Even though you believe in healing. You've pushed yourself too far. This man. How many understand coming up under the Apostle Paul's ministry. He knew something about faith. Certainly he did. And healing and deliverance. But he got sick. He nearly died. But how many thank God that even if you do mess up, God is a merciful God. Even if you blow it through ignorance or whatever, he will have mercy on you. 
Stand up on your feet, please. I want us to act on that phrase. Everybody said out loud he had mercy on him. What did that mean? Didn't that mean he got healed? He had mercy on him. That meant he got healed. I want us to pray this over people in this room tonight. This is how we're going to release our faith. But also I want us to pray for some people who are not here. This is how you can pray for friends and loved ones. A lot of times people have not been taught on healing. They don't believe in it. They're not sure it's God's will. And there are times when people hadn't lived right. God's dealt with them for years and they hadn't lived right. They hadn't done what he told them to do. And if they get justice, they're not going to make it. But God is merciful. And there are numerous times he will spare people. He will heal people. He'll raise people up and give them another chance or opportunity. Give them more time to get things straightened up. Just because you asked him to. For he is a merciful God. We're going to pray that way. And if there's some people you know, friends, family members in along this line, I want you to get ready to pray for them. We're going to pray for people here first. And then we're going to pray and release our faith for others. What are we relying on this evening? The mercy of God. Right? Goodness of God. The mercy of God. Man, if, if I had time and were so inclined, I could tell you about immediate family members and family members that weren't so close and, and friends from different parts of my life and times of my life that I'm, that, you know, I knew when something came up about them, I knew that they were probably, you know, the way they were going, they would perish. But I got in my bedroom at night. I got, I got off side of my bed and I said, Lord, I know they're not living right. I know they hadn't tried to follow you. I know they don't believe you, but I'm asking you, have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Give them some more time. Send labors across their path. Give them another opportunity. And there's been times before, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but the Lord spoke to me. He said, they would have perished. But because you asked me to. Oh, glory to God. Just because you asked me to. I'm going to get them out of this. Give them another opportunity. Oh, he's a merciful God. So many times he'll do things just because. We asked him to. Didn't the Bible says you have not because? Well, we're going to ask. We're going to ask. Close your eyes. Let me lead you in this prayer. Glory to God. Father God, say it out loud with me. Father God, we believe in you. We believe you are a healing God. Nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing's too far gone. Nothing's too hard for you. We believe in your mercy. In the multitude of your mercies. You're a good God. A God of comfort. Loving kindness. Tender mercy. A God who forgives and shows mercy. We ask you for every person in this room tonight for healing mercies. No matter why, 
or how or how long they've had problems. We're asking you in your mercy to heal them. Everyone in this room, heal us, make us whole by your mercy. Have mercy on us and our loved ones in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now just believe you soak up some healing right now. Just believe you receive. Believe his mercy is manifest in this building tonight. Doesn't have to be any fanfare, any spectacular outward thing. You can just be healed on the inside. Thank you, Lord. Now let's pray for people who are not here. Family, loved ones, friends. Let's lift them up by faith. Say it out loud, Father God. We lift up to you our family, our friends. Loved ones, acquaintances that we have on our heart, we lift them up to you. And we say, have mercy on them and have mercy on us by healing them. When you heal them, you're also having mercy on me. For I care for them. And when you bless them, you bless me, regardless if they've not done right, if they've not believed right, we're asking you for mercy. Enlighten their eyes, their heart. Bring them out of this, even if they've refused you and turned away didn't listen repeatedly even if they're here in this situation because of their own faults their own mistakes or their own sin or their own ignorance we're asking you for mercy have mercy on them and on us have mercy on them and on me we're asking in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now lift up your hands and thank Him. Thank Him for being so merciful. Thank Him for being so merciful. Thank Him for being so merciful. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.